Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So maybe, maybe Jacob, you know, he looked back and he, and he could have said, I thought it was all about me. I thought, I, I mean, really, I didn't have time to pray. I didn't pray. I didn't have time to pray because I had a lot of rod holding to do. You know? And now that I see, I should have prayed. I should have prayed and, and asked God for his help because, because he's the one who made it all happen. And it happened at breeding times that were out of my control. I mean, how many times have we allowed our work to get us all wrapped up in what we're doing and someone says, well, why don't we pray? And we say, pray? I'm too busy to pray. I've got rods to hold up. I've I got animals to look at and to get breed. A prayer would only take away valuable time. I need to hold up the rods. I've got to get the animals, look and breed. Or we just give God the brush-off prayer. You know what the brush-off prayer is? The brush-off prayer is, dear Lord, please bless me in my work. That's the brush-off prayer. Amen. That's really brush-off because it's really saying, I, I got work on my mind. I don't have time to get distracted with prolonged prayer. Animals got to get bred. Watering troughs are maybe happening right now. There's things out of And so as we run out the door with, with rods in our hands and, 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 and we say to somebody, pray for me. See, when Jacob woke up from that night when God showed him what happened in that dream, Jacob woke up from more than just sleep. Jacob woke up to see how 20 years ago, when he left Bethel in the ladder going to heaven that, was, that he saw, you know, Genesis 28, 12, he dreamed, and behold, the ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reached to heaven, behold, the angels of God sending, descending on it. When Jacob woke up from that dream, he remembered, I'm talking about the dream when he saw the bucks and the rams jumping on him, he remembered how he gave God the brush-off prayer. In Genesis 28, 21, Jacob vowed a vow and said, here's his brush-off prayer. If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, give me bread to eat, raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. See, 20 years ago, when Jacob had the dream and saw the ladder, Jacob was in the middle of his adventure he had a lot on his mind. He had people to meet and things to do. He was going to start a new life in Haran, and he gave God the brush-off prayer of essentially saying, a ladder from heaven, from, from earth to heaven with God, and the top of the angels going up and down. Not bad, God. Pretty good. I'll tell you what. If you'll be with me, you give me food, you give me clothing, you give me safety, then you know what? You can be my God. God said, oh, wonderful. <laughs> well, how about that, God? I think that's a pretty good offer, God, don't you? But right now, I got a wife to kiss. I got a fortune to gain. I got rods to make. I got females and animals to put them in front of. So, God, let's revisit this. Can we revisit this later after I build my family? Okay. Have we got a deal? Revisit later? Looking forward to it, God. Bye-bye, God. See? That's a brush-off prayer. And when Jacob looked back 
over the last six years of just exhausting himself with these rods, and so how much time he wasted, how much entertainment he wasted, he could have been a man of prayer. See, that's a hard realization for poor Jacob as he saw how he, he really wore himself out on vanity, sheer vanity. This was really Jacob's Ecclesiastes. This was Jacob's Ecclesiastes moment, moment here. When Jacob realized that he has just done what Solomon did when he said in Ecclesiastes 2, 3 through 11, I, Solomon says, I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine. Oh, what kind of wine is that? What was the year of that? Oh, mm, that's better than the wine from last night. I give myself unto wine, Solomon says. Yet acquainting my heart with wisdom and to lay hold on folly. Good times, let them roll. Till I might see what was good for the sons of men that they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made, I made me great works, Solomon says. Great works. I builded houses, I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. See, notice the word me. I builded me houses. I builded me vineyards. I, I made me gardens and vineyards all for himself. He was living for himself. I planted trees in them, all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water with the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. I also had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasures of the king. Provinces, I get me singers, men singers and women singers, the lights of the sons of men, musical instruments, all sorts. So I was great, Solomon says, and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. This was the portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought. So now he's given a survey. He's looking it all over. And on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity. A puff, a vapor that just goes up. All was vanity and vexation of spirit. It just did nothing more than make me anxious and disturb me inside. And there was no profit under the sun. That was a sad conclusion for a waste of life. And at the end of his life, it was really at the end of the chapter, I mean, at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, who had it all, enjoyed it all, did it all, he turned and he said, okay, now here's what I can tell you. Here's my advice in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. So now, chapter 30 ends with this statement of how great Jacob had become, and he had increased exceedingly, had much cattle, maidservants, menservants, camels, asses. And now sometimes we come into a great increase in life, as Jacob did. And God looked at Jacob with his great increase, and God said, there's a danger now for my boy Jacob. Jacob is in danger of seeing that Haran is a good place for him. Jacob is in danger of saying that he would like to make Haran his home and not return to Canaan. Things weren't this good in Canaan, better. So God says, I'm gonna have to make Haran turn a little sour, pretty sour, to keep my boy Canaan bound. And uh, Jacob, he, he'd already decided to return to Canaan six years ago, but six years ago was six years ago. And six years ago, Jacob had nothing in Haran, and it was easy for Jacob to say, I want to leave Haran. 
But six years later, when Jacob has become a very rich man in Haran, and now Jacob is in danger of saying, maybe Haran's not so bad. Why was I so down on Haran? Maybe Haran's okay. Maybe I should stay here. And God says, uh-oh, this is not good. We have a problem. And sometimes when we greatly increase, like Jacob, God looks at us and says, in my child down there, he's in danger. My child's in danger of seeing the world's a good place to be in. My child's in danger of saying that he wants to make the world his home and not really go to heaven. My child's in danger of uh, the Lot's wife disease. What's the Lot's wife disease? Looking back with yearning at what God is about to destroy. Well, I'm going to have to make the world turn a little sour for my child to keep him heaven-bound. And when we're saved, we make our decision to go to heaven. But that was then, and now is now. And, and since then, things have changed and now we'd be better off momentarily than we were then. And that's Jacob. He wasn't better off. Maybe the earth, we say, maybe the earth's not such a bad place. It's okay. God says, uh-oh, it's not good. Got a problem. So now the new problem comes into Jacob's life. And we see that in verse 1 here of chapter 31. He hears, he heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob had taken away all that was our father's, and that was our father's that he gotten all this glory. It looks as though Jacob is off there kind of minding his own business. He's got a lot of business to mind with rods and all that stuff. And, and in the middle, there, he seems to overhear Laban's sons, and, and they, they're portraying Jacob in this certain way, and they're, they're, they've repeated something twice. And, and it's this portrayal, it's like a repetition that's sort of gotten them into this conclusion, and it's very disturbing for Jacob to hear and, and they just burn into his mind what they've said, that he took away what was Laban's. He heard them saying this twofold accusation. He heard them saying first that Jacob stole what belonged to their fathers, which of course they were in line to inherit. And second, that Jacob used what he had stolen to build up his increase. It appears that Laban's sons, they, they keep saying, our fathers our fathers. Jacob has our fathers. He has stolen what was our fathers. And the fact was, a deal was a deal, but that didn't matter to the sons of Laban. In their reality, they really saw Jacob as a thief who had stolen what belonged to Laban. And the fact they repeat this twice, it's like Nazi Germany. It's like Nazi Germany all over again. You just keep saying that the Jews are this type of people, make the character stuff. People say, oh yeah, and so he's faced with this, and this greatly disturbs him. It drives him crazy. What word? What word would you use to describe how Laban's sons felt towards Jacob? What word? Jealous. Jealous. And what's the, what's the sister word to jealous? Say it. Envy. Envy. That's exactly it. They looked at Jacob and all that he had acquired. They were envious. Envy. Has Jacob found that before in his life? Has he encountered envy before? Who? Who did he encounter that with? Esau. 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 That, was, that was close to home. It was in his home. Was it even closer in his home? Another situation? Envy? Verse, that's it. Verse 1 of chapter 30. When Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. Uh, it's still in his home. Was there one of his sons that encountered envy? One of Jacob's sons? So far we've had his brother, his, his wife. How about one of his sons? 
one of his sons encounter envy? Joseph. Joseph, in Genesis 37, 11, his brethren envied him. And that, you know, when Stephen was going to be stoned to death, and he was giving his great speech there, he says, and the patriarchs, that's referring to Jacob's sons, the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt in Acts 7, 9. But God was with him. Now, how about his father? His father, Isaac. Did his father, Isaac, encounter envy? We just read it. Genesis 26, 14. Isaac, for he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Envied him. No, that was happened to his father, right? So isn't it interesting, when you look at verse 5, Genesis 31, 5, that, that when Jacob is describing to his wives about the envy of their father, about the envy of the father, that Jacob chooses a name for God. What's the name for God that Jacob chooses in Genesis 31.5? Say it again. The God of my father, right? The God of my father. Why did he say that, the God of my father? Why, when Jacob was describing to his wife the envy of Laban, did he call God who would be with him the God of my father? Because of what we just read. In Genesis 26, 14, because the Philistines envied Isaac, and he made it. And so he says, because my father encountered envy, and he knew how God saved his father from the Philistines, he told them, the God of my father, who experienced envy, has been with me, and your father is envy, and your brothers. So envy is fierce. Envy is not rational, as it says in, in Proverbs 27, 4. Wrath is cruel, anger is outrageous, but who's able to stand before envy? It's over the top. And Proverbs 14, 30, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy, rottenness in the bones. In Song of Solomon, jealousy, it's used, the word jealousy. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are fi- coals of fire, which have most vehement flame. When, when did the Lord Jesus Christ encounter envy? When, when, when was envy against him? What did Pilate say? Yes. That's right. And who knew that? Pilate. That's it. In, in Mark 15.10, where it says, he knew that the chief priest had delivered him for envy. Now, Jacob, now, he wonders, okay, now that's Laban's sons, but I wonder if Laban thinks that way. I wonder if Laban thinks I'm a thief. So always before, whenever I'd come into Laban's presence, Laban looks at me and he, and he smiles and says, how are you, my boy? You remind me so much of my sister. I'm so glad you're here. So it always that was that kind of a way because of all the work he was getting out of Jacob. Now Jacob is anxious to go. He wants to look in the face of Laban. He wants to look in the face of Laban and see if Laban feels the same way. And so notice in verse 2 how it says he beheld the face of Laban, the countenance of Laban, and it was not toward him as before. Sure enough, Jacob, he was all busy with his rods and everything. He hadn't taken time, but now he goes and looks in Laban's face. He no longer sees, I'm happy to see you. He looks at body language of Laban. Body language tells it all. Israel's prime minister, Netanyahu, met recently with President Obama. They met in the White House. If you just would have read the text of what they said, you would have said, fine. You know, they have a really good relationship now. But the cameras went right into their faces as they were speaking these words of mutual commitment to each other. (laughs) 
And the camera showed body language that did not match the message. When Netanyahu spoke to Obama, Obama went through, he did this, he went, (laughs) prolonged periods of closing his eyes, you know, and that was the body language of pushback. And when Obama spoke to Netanyahu, Netanyahu looked at the ground. (laughs) He couldn't even close his eyes. And that was was body languages, I can't stand to be in your presence. Apart from that, they were good friends. So body language is very clear when words are not. So when Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, and, and he went to Laban, he wanted to look at his face to see what his body language was. And as it says here, it was not towards him as before. He could see something very profound had changed with Laban. He was no longer for Jacob, as he was in the past. He'd never really, anyways, he never was for him, but he was for himself. But anyway, this greatly disturbs Jacob as he realized he's now seen as a thief. Now Jacob faces something of persecution, and Laban has become Jacob's persecutor. Now, what do we see here in this scene? Here's Laban's sons. They're saying to themselves, Jacob is a thief. He's stolen what was their father's and what they were going to inherit. Here's Laban, his, reflect, his face is reflecting, yeah, you're a thief. And here's Jacob, who's very disturbed. And where does Jacob turn now? He's all alone, he's in a place, he's been, been an underdog for 20 years, he's branded now as a thief. This throws him back in time, 20 years ago, when another person called Jacob a thief, who was Esau, right? And this just seems to be a repeat of the history for Jacob. Before it was Esau, now it's Laban, before Jacob was vulnerable in the desert, running for his life. Now he's vulnerable in Haran. Before Jacob did not call on God in the desert, and now we do not read that Jacob called out to God in Haran. Before it was God who called out to Jacob in Bethel, and now do we see, now what do we read happen in verse three? The Lord said unto Jacob, return to thy land of thy fathers, to thy kindred, and I'll be with thee. Why does it always keep taking deep trouble for Jacob to hear God? Why do we not think about God until we're in deep trouble? How does that work? I mean, there stood Jacob with Laban, his sons against him, and verse 3, his sons are against him. And I wonder, I wonder how Jacob felt when it says in verse 3 that the Lord said unto Jacob. I mean, did Jacob say something like, oh, hello, God? You know, I, I know it's been a long while since we've spoke. I, I guess it has been about 20 years, hasn't it? Well, well, yeah, time really does fly. Well, well, I'm sorry for not calling on you, you know, sooner, but, you know, I've been pretty busy in here and getting wives and children. Rods, oh, the rods. Taking, I mean, I got an empire of animals. Rods really took up my time, you know. And, and, and so, you see, I, I just haven't had time to talk with you. But I'm sure glad to hear from you now because I'm in real trouble. So thanks for calling. So I, I wonder if in verse 3, if Jacob didn't have a, oh, yeah, I remember God from 20 years ago. And what we see in this, in this conversation is a little frosty, like they talk about, because it's a one-way conversation where only God is speaking and Jacob really has nothing to say to God. It's almost as a one-way conversation that Jacob is ashamed that he left God by the roadside 20 years ago in Bethel, and God was now saying to Jacob, Jacob, how's that life working out for you? How's the life working out for you? Did, did it all work out the way you thought it was going to when you left me 20 years ago? Are you happy in Haran? Is Haran your home now, Jacob? It's, it's, Jacob, it's time. It's time, Jacob. It's time for you to leave Haran. It's time for you to come back to the land of your fathers. It's time for you to come back to your people. It's time for you to come back to God. 
The, the picture before us here in these first three verses in chapter 31 is a common picture of a person who starts out on the Christian life by praying to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, but not really as Lord. And God gets left by the side of the road because now, at that time, there was the terrible guilt, there was the shame, there was the fear of judgment over personal sin. Well, it's all been solved now. But now, hey, the world's an oyster. i got to go after it. So all the person's time and energy is devoted to amassing possessions, developing fulfilling relationships, extracting pleasures, just like Solomon. And in the end, it all comes crashing down with this tragedy, like being falsely accused, and then God steps in and says, how's that life working out for you? Did it all go the way you thought it was going to be? When you took me only as your Savior, not as your Lord, and you left me by the side of the road, you sped off into life. You happy with the world? Is the world really your home? It's time now. It's time now to take back your heart from the world and give me your heart. It's time for you to come back to God. It's time for you to come back to my people. It's time for you to come back to church. So in verse 3, God's saying to Jacob that it was time for Jacob to come back to God. And God was saying to Jacob that even though it's been 20 years, Jacob, I'm still waiting for you. I'm patiently waiting for you to come back. See, the word in verse 3, return, is very important. Return, God is saying to Jacob, Jacob, the life without God that you've been going on now for 20 years, it's got to come to an end. Now's the time. It's got to stop. Now's the time. You've got to come back to God. Now's the time. There's got to be a time for you to return. Now is the time. Now is the time for you to return to God. I'm still here, just where you left me, by the side of the road, but just return to me, and I'll receive you. We'll have a wonderful relationship together, a new life of God and Jacob. And we might think that, you know, maybe God's angry. He's been left by Jacob on the side of the road 20 years ago. He's not angry. That's a picture that represents the Jewish people, and verse 3 represents what God says to the Jewish people. Same thing he said in Hosea 14, 1 through 4. Oh, Israel, return to the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words, turn to the Lord. It says in verse 3, I will heal their backslidings. I will love them freely. My anger is turned away from them. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him to our God. He will abundantly pardon. Jeremiah 3.12, go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord. I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. I'm merciful, saith the Lord. I will not keep my anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. I am married to you. And he says in verse 3, we see how God was not angry with Jacob because in his last statement in verse 3, God renewed his promise to Jacob. He said, I will be with you. Now here God's calling to do uh, Jacob to do something like he called Israel to do when they were under the thumb of Pharaoh. And just as he told Israel... He said, I'll be with you, and he told that to Moses. He said, my presence shall go with you in Exodus 33, 1, 33, 14, and I will give you rest. And then Moses replies, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Moses realized the value of that promise. That's the promise we have in Hebrews 13, 5. He has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So what does this all boil down to? Boils down to, practical speaking, morning devotions, Morning devotions, we seek the presence of God, 
and we prepare to meet the day's challenges with the presence of God. The goal of meeting God at the end of the day is to think back to the morning, to that meeting with God, and over the day and the challenges, and to thank him for his presence that met the challenges for the day. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving Jacob, not being angry with him, Lord, but to welcome him back. And we thank you, Lord, for your patience with us also. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Jewish Bible teacher Tom Cantor from Friendship with God, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, invites you to a Seder and Passover dinner at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Friday, April 29th at 6.30 p.m. Cost is $25 for D.Z. Aiken's food, fellowship, and a Passover Seder message from Tom Cantor. It's Friday, April 29th at 6.30 p.m. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or go online to creationsd.org, creationsd.org.